What's up, everybody? This is Brandon, and today I'm going to be popping off about what's going on in the sealed product area of Magic the Gathering and how it's going to affect and possibly prompt new policies when it comes to my two favorite formats, which are Popper and Modern. Now, the sealed product that prompted these thoughts in my head is actually a standard product that was announced last week. Uh, if you didn't hear, Wizards is bringing back the event decks, except now they're being called Challenger decks, and they actually made them more Tier 1 than previously. If you never played with the old event decks, they are full standard legal decks. 60 card main deck, 15 card sideboard, right out of the box, you can play it. But in the past, they seemed a little powered down. They were never based on Tier 1 archetypes. Um, back when it was Khan's block, I believe that was the last ones made. Or it may have been a couple blocks after that. But in Khan's block, I specifically remember a Warrior aggro deck. Which, although fun as a kitchen table level deck, was never going to compete on an FNM level. And with the emphasis that Wizards has put on Friday Night Magic, on making sure they get the promos right with the recently announced switched off the promo tokens. I feel like this is another good step towards bringing back Friday Night Magic and Standard as a format that players want to invest in. I'm going to real quickly go through the deck list and kind of highlight what they're doing, what they are basing it off as far as a Tier 1 archetype, and why... It's a big improvement over previous sealed products of this type. I'm on the homepage for Wizards of the Coast. I'm going to start bottom to top because that's actually kind of the popularity I've seen them in. Um, I'm going to go with what I think has been the least talked about deck here. And if recent GP results and online results are any indication, it may not be for long. It's a deck called Countersurge. It's a Constrictor deck. It's based on the card Winding Constrictor. It's a black-green for a 2-3 that allows you to put an extra counter on a permanent whenever a counter will be placed on it. This is a deck of using plus one, plus one counters. This is a thing that's been around since Kaladesh. It's a very popular archetype. It's a simple archetype to build because it's two colors, where it doesn't have the strenuous mana base of a lot of the three-color standard decks we're seeing now. But where I'm impressed is even though it's two colors, they didn't completely disregard the mana base here. And that's something I'm going to go to with a lot of these. Um, you get your standard 8 Swamp, 7 Forest, but they also gave you two of the green desert that is a giant growth in a land. Four tap lands. I would love to have seen a black green fast land there. I'd love to have seen some blooming marshes there, but... I understand they can't give you a full play set of those, and they really wanted to make sure there was a full play set of dual lands in here. But they also give you four Aether Hub. Yes, when these come out, this card will be rotating in six months, but it is still a rainbow land. It is still an expensive land, and it is still going to have some value. The other things I wanted to highlight in here were the couple of one-ofs in here in Fatal Push and Walking Ballista 
legacy playable cards, modern playable cards, cards that will retain value that oftentimes you wouldn't have seen in these decks because Wizards knows this is an easy way for modern players and legacy players to get a hold of those cards. This is going to drop the value of those cards. But I'm glad to see them. I'm excited that they are comfortable reprinting in a quality sealed product cards that are going to see play after rotation. You also have a playset for the standard players of Glint Sleeve Siphoner. This is an aggressive two drop. It's a two one with menace. And the big thing is you can pay energy to draw a card and lose a life. It's not something that's going to see play outside of standard. But for the six months this deck is legal, getting a full playset of these right out of the box is a huge boost to anybody that wants to play this color combination. You can look up the deck list yourself. Once again, I'm going to move through these a little quick. But those are the highlights I'm seeing right off the bat here, is that you're getting a lot of rare and mythic value in here. Um, last card I'm going to highlight in here is Virtuous Gear Hulk. It's one of the Gear Hulk cycle from Kaladesh. It's the green one. And it's going to rotate six months after this comes out. I know I've said that a lot. I know I keep repeating myself, but that's the key point here and why Wizards may be diverting from what they've done in the past. Mythics are something they've very much so put on a pedestal. It's what Planeswalkers are. It's what the main characters in the story are. In the case of Kaladesh, these are the titans of this plane. These are the worshipped beings of this plane. And they give you three of them. I've never seen a sealed product that gave you a mythic that was this important to the story and mattered this much in the arc of that set where they gave you more than just one of them. So, good on Wizards. I'm glad to see that. Moving on is what I think in, in retrospect will be one of the biggest hits of this is Second Sun Control. Blue-white control deck, pretty straightforward. A ton of cantrips. You have four board wipes in three fumigates and one settle the wreckage. I really believe that split is less about playability and more about settle is a new card from Ixalan. It's going to be in standard a lot longer than fumigate from Kaladesh. They know that if they if they wanted to make this the most playable out of the box, you would have gotten a 2-2 split or a 3-1 in the favor of settle the wreckage. Once again, Wizards isn't dumb. They made a great product, but they don't want it to have a long, long shelf life. Moving on, you get a full playset of Opt, Sensor, and Supreme Will, and Glimmer of Genius, all your blue cantrips and counters. It's great to see them actually giving you what you need to play a real control deck. Control's a tough archetype, and especially to hand new players, which is what I feel like this is aimed toward. New or returning players, actually, is probably the bigger market here. To give them a control deck that doesn't have the tools to actually control the board would be a massive mistake, and I don't feel like they made this mistake here. There's six more counters on the sideboard, four negate and two spell pierce, as well as the big one that kind of made me smile was you get a full play set of irrigated farmland. This is the Amonkhet dual land cycle. They are cycling duels. They also are fetchable duels, which I've seen played in the modern blue-white control decks because they can be fetched up in a pinch. If you're fetching at the end of the turn and you intended on getting a tap land anyways, you can grab this and then grab your Hallowed Fountain when you really need that untapped duel. To get a full playset here, 
is great value. It's acknowledging that you need good dual lands, and it's not just shoving tap lands in there like they have in the past. Last card to highlight here, Field of Ruin. If you play Modern, you've seen this card. It has attacked your mana base. You've seen a lot of it. It is replacing Ghost Quarter in that format right now, in a lot of decks. You get two of them here. They know it's a popular card. They're not going to give you a playset because I believe, looking through these deck lists, they do have, at least a little in the back of their mind, potential price spikes and higher value Eternal cards. And I believe this is a card that's going to continue to go up in price. But they still give you two here. They still give you a real shot of drawing one. So, once again, moving through these quickly because I more want to talk about the impact long-term for Magic on these. The next deck is Vehicle Rush. Marty Vehicles. It's been a format since Kaladesh. It's a format that never completely goes away, even if it's fallen to Tier 2 a couple times in Standard. But there's a couple things I want to highlight with this one. First of all, holy crap, rares. You get a place at a Bomat Courier. You get two Pianalar. Three Tapala Pilot Exemplar, and you get a full place at Aspire Industry, which is the pay one life to get a man of any color if you have an artifact land. It's basically a rainbow land, a city of brass for artifact decks. This sees play. This sees play in Modern Affinity primarily, but also in eggs and lantern decks. A full playset of a rare rainbow land is stunning to see in a sealed product. And that's not all the value. It's a three-color mana base, and they really did not screw the players here. You get a red-black check land, the Dragon Skull Summit that checks for a swamp or a mountain. You get one copy of the Boros Fastland and one copy of the Orzhov Fastland. That's awesome. Those cards are valuable cards that will retain their value, and they also are great cards to have in a three-color deck. Three more Rainbow Lands in Aether Hub. Three more Rainbow Lands in Unclaimed Territory if you want to name Dwarf. There's a lot of Dwarfs in this deck. And then some Evolving Wilds, Plains, Mountain Swamps. I have seen Wizards print decks like this before and just give you six crappy fetch lands in four Evolving Wilds and a couple Terramorphic Expanse or something like that. And then a pile of plain old tap lands. Seeing them actually say, nope, we know you can't play a three-color deck with that. We're giving you real cards. It's awesome. The last thing I really want to highlight here is the Vehicles Package. It's a Sky Sovereign console flagship, an Aethersphere Harvester, a Cultivator's Caravan, and a playset of Heart of Kirin. This was a $20 card not that long ago, and I think it actually went higher than that. Yes, the deck's fallen off. Yes, the card doesn't have its value anymore, but... This is a card that could potentially, with a little more support or a return to a plane with vehicles, absolutely see eternal play. And you're getting a full playset of a mythic rare. Once again, the flagships of the set, the biggest chase cards of a set, even if it is rotating after this is released just six months later, that's a playset of a mythic in a pre-constructed deck. Awesome. Really excited for what Wizards did here. Now, lastly, is the deck that everybody's talking about because 
what I think is the best Planeswalker in Standard is actually being put in a sealed product. That doesn't happen often. Outside of the rare instances with dual deck products in the past, this doesn't happen. Has red aggro, it's mono red aggro, it's Ramunap red, which isn't Ramunap red anymore because of the bannings. It comes with a glut of rare red aggro cards. Your Soulscar Mage, your Bomat Curry, your Kari Sevs, your Harsh Mentors. Three or four of each of those. But where it really is going to get people excited, both for Standard, because Mono Red is always a go-to archetype for Standard, but also for Eternal players that may be peeking at Standard and, oh, I'll play for six months and, hey, I'll put some cards in my Modern deck. You get one copy of Glorybringer, one copy of Hazaret, which I've seen more and more as a finisher in Big Red decks, and one copy of Chandra, Torch of Defiance. I'd like to remind you, 29 USD MSRP on these products. That's a $30 card right there. Yes, this will drop the value. Yes, it will be a $15 or $20 card. So what? You never get cards this good in sealed product. Even if it's a one-of, that's impressive. And that is what makes me the most nervous, is I feel a commander deck, commander precon like price difference coming where i don't remember the year it was but the commander deck that had true name nemesis once people figured out that that card was broken it quickly went from you can get all four of these for 120 dollars to you can get these three for 30 dollars each and this one's going to cost you 70. i'm worried we're going to see that if you have a local game store doing those price spikes Try not to support them. I understand we don't all have access to four or five LGSs, but this is going to be a sought-after product. This is going to be a big deal. Why do I care if I don't play Standard? Well, one, this might make me build a Standard deck for the first time since, I believe, Dragons of Tarkir was the last Standard deck I had built. And two... If they're willing to do this for standard, their heavily pushed bread and butter format, and with the almost overabundance of master sets we've received lately, could we see this for eternal formats? Could we see an equivalent product for eternal formats? I think this means yes. And I'm going to explain why in just a second. want to get into the heart of what I'm wanting to talk about today. And that's what do challenger decks mean for eternal formats? I'm not going to talk about legacy or vintage here because the barrier of entry to those is based a lot on the reserve list, mainly the dual lands, power nine, cards like that, that there's no way wizards can lower that barrier to entry by much 
and there's no way printing a legacy precon that doesn't contain any of the $200 dual lands is going to be successful. It's just not. So I want to start with modern because it's, we've seen it before the modern event deck. It's a product I purchased personally and I played and I even built it up with fetch lands, real dual lands and made it into a true black, white tokens deck. But that's the problem. I made a black, white tokens deck. When's the last time that top aided a GP? When's the last time you saw that matter in the modern format? I know it sees fringe play. I know it's got its proponents who think that it is a deck that can compete at the highest level, but tournament results say otherwise. And when evaluating these new standard pretons, they are based on tier one decks that have won real high level competitive tournaments. The issue is you can reprint a standard deck for 30 bucks, cut a few of the high value cards or only give you one ofs and make a playable product. Modern is a format that is ruled by consistency. It's very difficult to print a precon of a real modern deck, even a tier two one, without having to run into either a massive price point or without running into it being unplayable because you've reduced the amount of needed four ofs, the mythics that are four ofs for various decks. You've given people one or two, which has killed the ability of the deck to do its set goal. So I've been trying to think of how Wizards could redo the modern event deck, give you a real deck, give you a deck that may not be fully tier one, but has the ability to reach tier 1.5 or tier 2 and not gouge you with a $500 price tag. And scrolling through MTG Goldfish, I think there's two things we need to look at. One is mana base. And two is what is the most expensive card in the deck? Now, Mana base is a real issue. The second you get past two colors, you need to run fetch lands. You need to run lots of them. That's not something they're going to print into a precon. I believe there was a dual deck in the past that had like a windswept heath in it, but it was a one of. You can't print a modern deck with a one of of a fetch land. So I'm immediately cutting all three color decks as a possibility. Next is the top end cards. There's monocolored decks that are very expensive. I would love for Wizards to do a pre-con of an 8-rack deck. But those four Liliana the Veils, <laughs> yikes. Not going to happen. So looking at two color decks that don't have key cards that cost $100, you've got a few things you can look at here. One is my favorite deck. And I hope they don't do this because it'll tank the value. But as a player, I also kind of hope they do because I want more people playing modern. And that's Merfolk. Mono Blue Merfolk recently had almost every major card in it reprinted in the Ixalan block, in the 
modern dual deck. I'm sorry, not modern. The dual deck for Merfolk versus Goblins. Between those two, you had Silvergill Adept, Master of the Pearl Trident, Master of Waves, all reprinted. The only cards of expensive value in modern Merfolk is Aether Vial, just reprinted in Iconic Masters, and Mutavault, which hasn't seen a reprint since a core set a few years back, but also is not obscenely expensive. And I guess if you want to count GP promos, yes, it's had a reprint recently, but those don't always have a massive impact on price. So to attack this one, I'm going to go over two or three options here, but to attack the Mono Bloomer Folk dual deck, you raise the price to $100 to start. I don't think that's unfair for an entry, but to do that, you're going to have to do a couple things. One, if you're doing a monocolored deck, players care about their mana base. Don't put ugly lands in there. Obviously, this is subjective, but please don't put lands from the most recent standard set in there. Put the Rebecca Gay lands in there in a non-foil format. The ones that were just done as a promo. Put that art on a non-foil island and give you 18 of them or whatever they're going to have in this dual deck. That's step one to get people excited. Give them something they haven't had before. If you don't want to do new art for anything else, that's the main one I would want to see. And two, I don't think they can give you four Aether Vials and four Mutavaults. But as a brand new player, would I buy a $100 dual deck, uh, excuse me, event deck for modern that all I had left to buy was two Aether Vials and a couple Mutavaults? And I had a competitive, solid tier two, tier 1.5 deck that I could bring to a GP and not embarrass myself yeah i would so you do a 2-2 split with a real creature base for the rest of this so you get your four curse catchers you get your four master of waves your four master of the pearl trident your four lord of atlantis three marrow regery or however they want to build it and you tell people everything is here except for these two to four cards, you go pick them up, you're golden. You have a real deck. It's a monocolor deck. I think that's the easiest way to attack it. The second deck I'm looking at is another monocolor deck. Well, not really. It's a mono green deck. It's elves. But elves isn't mono green anymore. Elves runs white and a devoted druid combo to finish people off. But if they don't want to have that expensive of a deck available and have to worry about fast lands and dual lands and fetch lands and everything that goes into even a two-color mana base, I believe you could absolutely print a deck that is mono-green elves. And that is where you're making the sacrifice in playability. Give people all the elves they need, the Azuris, the Elvish Champions, the Elvish Archdruids, your Llanowar Elves. Even put Devoted Druid in there, because that's a card that's gotten a little overpriced. And then give them four Collected Company and three Court of Calling. 
So what you're doing is incentivizing people to buy this and the upgrades, instead of being, hey, we didn't give you the play sets of what you need, the upgrades you're approaching there are going to be in expanding the deck into a second color. So it's mana base upgrades. It's buying your Vizier of Remedies, which is a 25 cent card last I checked. I think this is a second route to it of take a typically two color deck that can be geared down to one color, give people that entry point of just a typical old school beat down elves deck while making it very easy and very obvious to upgrade to a green white elves. The third deck I have in mind, and this is going to be a little harder to do. I think you could either do the two dual two color decks I thought of were Boggles or Infect. The issue with these is you can do a pretty reasonably affordable mana base with two colors, especially with Boggles. You know, give people four Windswept Heaths, four Razor Verge Thicket, and then if you don't want to do Temple Gardens, you obviously probably are not going to want to do Horizon Canopies. You can use the fetchable duels that have been printed in recent years. Um, I believe Battle for Zendikar was the first set, and then we had the ones in Amonkhet. Grab a green one out of there. And then some Plains and some Forests. The rest of the deck really isn't that outrageous to print in a precon product. You have your creature base where Core Spirit Dancer is a little expensive, but I don't think that's unreasonable for a reprint. And a one of Dryad Arbor, once again, it's a $10 card, but it's not that unreasonable for a reprint. A couple Paths to Exiles. Daybreak Coronet's been reprinted recently and never recovered, so another reprint I don't think will tank the value of it. Where you're going to have to make the cuts on this deck are going to be in the Leyline of Sanctities and the Horizon Canopies to make this a reasonable, pre-constructed potential product. I think players are smart enough to know you're not going to get a place at a Horizon Canopies or Leyline of Sanctities in a pre-con product. But if you build a playable good deck around them, like they did with the mono red deck for standard, and then they give you one of each of those as a, hey, this is a good card for this deck. You should get more if you really want to take this to its top level. I don't think you're looking at a bad product. The last thing with the modern decks that I think would go a long way towards making them legitimate, besides using real archetypes and not black-white tokens, which had long since fallen to the wayside when that product came out. Get experts to write play guides. Mono Blue Merfolk, hey Nikachu, would you write us a play guide for this? Elves, Ross Merriam, would you mind writing us a play guide? Bogles, Maria Bertholdi, will you write us a play guide for this? You get a well-known, popular magic player to write a guide for how to play this deck. And include it in there. And I'm not talking a book. I'm talking a 10-page insert of, so you want to put a Daybreak Coronet on a Slippery Bogle. Well, let me tell you about the decision tree involved on how and when to do this. 
and a little advice on sideboarding matchups. A full sideboard guide is not reasonable. It's not something Wizards wants. I don't think they want people taking these to GPs and every single matchup having an exact sideboard guide they follow. It doesn't encourage creativity. It does not encourage growth as a player. But just saying, hey, in your Death Shadow matchup, just remember, this card's not good anymore. You might want to get it out of your deck and look for more counter magic is not unreasonable. The Modern Event deck could be a great product, but it needs help. And these are just my thoughts. I am always open to hear your thoughts. I will go over at the end of the episode where to contact me, um, but please do so. I want to hear more about this. I'm going to take a quick break. I'm a little under the weather, so I'm going to take a quick break, take some medicine, drink some water, and I'll be right back to talk about the last thing when it comes to sealed product, and that is Popper, the best format in Magic the Gathering. back i'm gonna go over my last thoughts on wizard's sealed product and the potential impact on popper as a format if you stuck with me this long thank you and i really mean it thank you it's the first episode you know nothing about me you don't know if i'm going to make good content and you're about half an hour into this so i appreciate that i appreciate the trust and the patience there if you skipped ahead to this point wondering when this guy with a popper dad joke in his name is going to talk about popper just to get to this point. That's fine with me too. I love popper as a format. If you don't care about the other stuff I talked about that I understand completely, but now I'm going to get into what I care most about on this. And that's popper. This has exploded in popularity recently. If you've played popper, it started primarily as a magic online format. It's now exploded in popularity in the paper realm because of efforts of people like Tolarian Community College who put pressure on Wizards and SCG to include Popper in their major events. Wizards is not a dumb company. They see this stuff exploding in popularity, and they also, I don't doubt, see the coordinating price spikes. Some of the staples of the Popper format have gotten ridiculous. I'm looking at you, Gush. I'm looking at you, Cantrips, basically. (laughs) Blue is becoming really expensive. And so, as they've done with Modern, with Modern Masters, Eternal Masters for Modern Legacy, Iconic, and I have no doubt Masters 25 is going to have a bunch of reprints that are much needed. Fingers crossed for Thalia. But... They are going to address this eventually. They are not going to miss out on the hype train for Popper. There's just a couple things that need to happen first. A unified ban list needs to happen. The simple way to attack that is just say, online legality is paper legality. But you're going to have some people confused, especially with heavily played cards, namely Chainer's Edict that are only printed on common and paper. Well, how do you tackle that? Combine the ban lists. I believe the biggest breakdown in the ban list online is there's a lot of cards from early, early, early sets that there's never been a alpha 
draft on Magic Online. So some of the commons in there that are just broken don't exist in the online format as a common. Print a pauper legality for paper wizards. Make it available on Gatherer. Let me Google a card and see. Oh, Wizards of the Coast. Is this legal popper? Yes. Moving on. Unify the ban list and make this simple. And then if you're worried about those few uncommons that are legal online because they were printed in common, most likely in Vintage Masters, if you're worried about that confusing the player base because it's not the right rarity, print popper challenger decks you just showed me with standard that you can make great playable tier one decks available as a precon popper is a format of commons it is the cheapest eternal format out there this is not hard and this can be a drawn out money maker for them if you go on mtg goldfish right now you're going to see a lot of delver you're going to see some tron you're going to see a little bit of everything, honestly. That's what I love about Popper is that if you have a certain play style that you want to play, trust me, we got a deck for you. But looking right now at what formats we have here, we have Izzet Delver, Kadaltha Boros, Mono Blue Delver, Five Color Tron, Blue Black Control, Elves, Mono White Heroic, Affinity, Bogles, Burn, Mono Black Control, Izzet Blitz. So we have combo, aggro, control, mid-range. We've got a little bit of everything here. The most expensive of these decks is Is It Delver, and that's because Ash Barons is only available in a Commander Precon, and it's a stupid expensive card. That's easily fixed with another printing. Every single deck on here besides that is under 100 bucks. Wizards, $30 popper precons. Do it. It's not hard. You're printing commons. You're not breaking anything MTG finance-wise. And if you do, trust me, Ash Barons and Oubliette should not be that expensive anyways. You're not going to hurt anybody's feelings. And to draw this out, if Wizards really wants to make money off this, and obviously, if Wizards isn't making money, Magic the Gathering's not getting printed, and we all lose. So... Draw it out a little bit. Do one or two a year. Make them coordinate with whatever plane we're going on. You know, whenever we return to Innistrad, which I don't doubt we eventually will, print the Delver Precon for Popper. You know, for Tron, it's Urza Tron. Is there a better time to make an Urza Tron Precon than in Dominaria? I don't think so. This is an easy moneymaker for them that I don't think they thought existed until now. You cannot tell me that the response at the GP level has not been enough to justify this. It's an easy way to make a ton of money off of common legal cards. I know people always want the chase rare, but I will take a place at a gush over some chase rare that I'm never going to play after it rotates in standard.
I don't even think you need to have to tempo these down. There's no fetch lands. There's no insanely expensive cards that say, oh, well, we have to make a weaker deck list or else we're giving out a play set of fetch lands. That's not here. The professor at Tulane Community College went deep into this and even made some mocked up precons. Watch his video. It's great. It's an excellent view on this. My view is real simple. The people who run Wizards of the Coast and who work on Magic the Gathering are not dumb. The playtest team is stacked with people I respect and have watched play and admire. The design team is stacked with people I've listened to on podcasts and read their articles and gotten in-depth into their thought process. I don't think there's an unintelligent person in that office. So I'm begging them. Take a dive. Make these decks happen. Start with start with decks that you know will sell if you're worried about it being an issue. If you release a Tron and an Elves deck, or a Tron and a Delver deck, people know those names. Modern players know those names. Standard players know those names. Elves, excuse me, legacy players know those names. They know the cards in there. They're going to look through that deck list and go, well, this is cool. Yeah, I don't have my Force of Will, but I got Days. And they're going to pick it up. And they're going to use it as an entry point to one of the easiest formats to support, to one of the best formats for the stores. LGSs, if they have the right mindset, tend to love Popper because it gets all those commons that clog up their backroom out of there. Nobody gave a crap about Theros Block for the past two years. Mono White Heroic hits the scene. I've seen LGSs sold out of cards from Theros block that I'm sure they would have thrown in the trash a year ago if you had thought about it. You have an opportunity here to bring in players to a non-rotating format. That is the backbone to staying with Magic. I know very few people who play just standard. It's too much money. It's too exhausting to keep up with. You never get to really invest in anything in standard because two years is not that long of a time in the life cycle of a card game that's been around for a quarter century. Popper brings in everybody from my five-year-old nephew to my 40-year-old uncle. It's a great entry point. If they only ever want to play that one deck, they can. Or if they go, this game's fun, what else is there? you're going to have the opportunity to sell more product. You're going to get people excited about preview season on Thursday and Friday. After all the big stuff's been spoiled, people are going to sit around their computer like me and go, yeah, but are there any commons that I can throw in my Stompy deck? I remember Kaladesh previews. When everybody was freaking out over Chandra, I was freaking out over Gearseeker Serpent. Because it's going to be a two of in my affinity deck, and dang, that thing's big. I hope all of these products come to fruition, because I'm going to look like a genius. But more so, because the better sealed product wizard sells, the more people play the game. 
And the more players we have playing the game, the bigger events get, the more events we have. If you live somewhere where a GP doesn't come by and the closest one's two states away, guess what? If more people play, they're going to put more GPs near you. We're going to have a GP in every state, if it can be supported. We're going to have a GP in every country, if it can be supported. So, root for Wizards to continue doing the right thing. Whether your opinion on reprints is positive or negative, whether you're an investor in Magic and you're losing money, understand that Magic dies without players. These four challenger decks are a step in the right direction for Standard. Let's not just bring people into a format with decks that are no longer playable after six months. Let's try and bring them in with decks that are playable for the next six years. And I think Wizards will realize that that is going to be a huge boon to their business in the long run. Once again, thank you for your time, for listening, for taking time out of your day to listen to my thoughts on something, on a game that we all love. If you have any thoughts, if you have any critiques, if you have any questions, any topic ideas, anything, please feel free to reach out to me. It's popping off on Twitter at popping off P A U P I N G O F F. It's a dad joke based on popper. I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. I can also be reached at popping off at gmail.com. I welcome your commentary and I look forward to hearing from y'all and I'll be back later this week once we have some Masters 25 spoilers that I can go on about and some popper downshifts that I can get really excited about. Till then, thank you guys and have a great day.